Hi, I'm Joseph Feraldi. I want to thank you for joining us here at Bayside Chapel Online. Our prayer is that today's service will be a blessing to you, that it will encourage you in your journey with Jesus Christ, and it will help you to see all that God has in store for you. We would love to hear from you on how God is using this ministry to bless you, and we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. Just send us an email at amen at baysidechapel.org. Remember that you can stay in touch with us at any time. Just visit the App Store and search for our app at Bayside Chapel of NJ. Also, if God is using this ministry to bless you, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us financially. Simply go online to BaysideChapel.org or use the Bayside Chapel app and choose whatever option works best for you. Enjoy today's message. Uh, we're looking at the second of the uh, great servant songs in the book of Isaiah today, and so I'd like you to turn in your Bible to Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read those verses before we discuss them together. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has become my strength, he says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise Princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. It was easy to underestimate him. He was gangly, almost comical in appearance. Uh, most of his life he'd been a failure. At the age of 23, he'd been fired from a job. That same year, he had failed in an attempt to win election to the state legislature. At the age of 26, the love of his life passed away. At the age of 29, he suffered another political setback. At the age of 39, he was turned down for a job in Washington. At the age of 49, he uh, failed in a bid to win a seat in the United States Senate. But three years later, he was elected president of the United States. His election was very controversial. It lit the fuse of secession. Eleven states left the Union, and the bloodiest war in our history began. Many in the North believed he was incompetent, not up to the demands of the office. Many in the South looked at him as a simple buffoon from the prairies, but now historians will tell you he was just the right man for the job. Little did they know it was his steely resolve that would win the war save the Union, and liberate the slaves. Those who underestimated Abraham Lincoln did so at their own risk. You know, the same thing could be said of Jesus in his day. 
There were those who thought he was not to be taken seriously, a trickster, a fraud, a fast talker. The Jewish authorities saw him as a nuisance they could be rid of by having him put to death. The Roman authorities saw him as a peasant that by nailing to a cross would keep peace with the chief priest of Israel and his posse. But they all underestimated Jesus at their own risk. You know, people continue to underestimate Jesus to this very day. Maybe even you. They see Jesus as an interesting figure in history, but not as someone relevant to their lives today. They see him perhaps as an example to follow, but not as the Lord to whom they must submit. They see him as an obsession of religious people, but not one on whom their eternal salvation depends. But be careful. You underestimate Jesus at your own risk. It really shouldn't surprise us that people continue to underestimate Jesus to this very day. The the prophet Isaiah said that's exactly what many of us would do. 700 years before Messiah ever came on the scene, uh, he was given remarkably accurate information about what he would be like, what he would do, and how he would be perceived. The prophetic messages God gave to Isaiah were about the judgment that would fall first on the northern kingdom of Israel and eventually on the southern kingdom of Judah. And yet as much as the prophecy of Isaiah served as a warning to God's rebellious people, it also offered hope of salvation through Israel's Messiah. And tucked away in these latter chapters of Isaiah, we encounter these four servant songs, so-called because they speak of the life and ministry of Messiah, the servant of the Lord who would come bringing salvation. And as such, we have called them the songs of Easter because they anticipate by 700 years the work of Jesus, what he would accomplish in his earthly ministry and by his death and resurrection. Pastor Ken led us through the first of these servant songs last week in Isaiah 42, a song that described how Messiah would come in the power of the Spirit and bring justice. Uh, Today, we're looking at the second of the servant songs, Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 7, that depicts Messiah not just as Israel's Savior, but as one who will save the nations. No one who looked at Jesus in the first century would have seen him that way. I mean, he couldn't save himself from a Roman cross, much less save his people from Roman occupation. And if he couldn't do that, how could he ever save the world? They totally underestimated him at their own risk. Just as Isaiah said they would, just as some of us might do today if we're not careful. And so in the second song of the servant here in Isaiah 49, the prophet warns us of four ways that we might underestimate him. Here's the first way we might underestimate Jesus. Isaiah says he's the revealer of truth who was hidden from view. He's the revealer of truth who was hidden from view. The song begins in verse 1. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples, from afar. Right out of the box, Isaiah lets it be known that this message isn't just for Israel. It's for nations far and near. The the Messiah wants it to be known that his work was ordained from his mother's womb. It goes on in verse 1 to say, The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, he named my name. Boy, doesn't that sound a lot like Gabriel and what he said to Mary when he came to announce that Mary would be the mother of Messiah? In Luke chapter 1, verse 31, it says, And behold, 
you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. In fact, uh, in the announcement to Joseph, the angel goes on to say, you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. God placed him there and named him while he was still in the womb. And his prophetic ministry would have an unusual combination. It would be both piercing and hidden at the same time. Verse 2 says, he made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me like a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. What comes from his mouth is sharp as a sword and pierces like an arrow. And at the same time, it's like a sword that's hidden in the shadow of God's hand. It's like a deadly arrow, but tucked away in the archer's quiver, hidden from sight. That's just how Jesus' ministry was. He spoke with authority that people had never heard before. His words pierced hearts and brought conviction, and especially stung the religious leaders of the day in particular. Yet at the same time, he told people not to go around talking about him too much, seemingly uh, reluctant to claim the mantle of messiahship until the time was right, knowing it would lead to his death. And so, for instance, when Jesus healed two blind men of their blindness, that was something that the prophet said only Messiah could do. And yet, what does he tell those two blind men once they've received their sight? He says, see that no one knows about it. Jesus, indeed, was the revealer of truth who stayed hidden from view. There's a story about the U2 guitarist, The Edge, who took his uh, young son out trick-or-treating one, one day, in, uh, one Halloween in Los Angeles. This was probably a, more than a decade ago. And The Edge and his son both dressed up in The Edge's trademark outfit, a black beanie, a black leather jacket with a guitar strung around their neck. Uh, they, they dressed exactly the same way. And uh, the Edge says uh, it was kind of interesting that as they walked away from one front door, they heard the couple in the house say, that's a bit sad, that guy doesn't look anything like the Edge. <laughs> well, the gospel accounts of Jesus' life are populated with people who, even as Jesus pierces their hearts with his teaching, have no idea who this is who's standing in front of them. They underestimated him. They dismissed him. They opposed him and paid dearly for it. But that's exactly what Isaiah said would happen. The servant of the Lord would reveal the most powerful truths the world had ever heard while largely remaining hidden from their view. That's the first way Messiah would be underestimated. He is the revealer of truth who is hidden from view. Here's the second. He's the seeming failure who has brought glory to God. He's the seeming failure who has brought glory to God. In verse 3, it goes on to say, And he said to me, You are my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Now this is the Lord himself now speaking to the, the Messiah, his servant, whom he calls Israel here. Not, not that he's referring to the nation of Israel, but he's referring to the Messiah as that ultimate representative of Israel who will fulfill all that God said he would accomplish through Israel. You are my servant who will bring me glory. But the servant feels anything but like a glorious success. In verse 4, the servant responds by saying, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing, and 
vanity. The servant will go through a phase when it will feel like his life has been a waste, as if he has accomplished nothing. Isaiah anticipates that dark time in Jesus' life when it feels to him as if everyone has turned against him. Even the disciples into whom he has poured his life would fall away, and the most reliable of his men would deny three times that he even knew him, though it must have felt like he had failed in that moment. As he hung from that cross, he clung to the assurance that God would use it all for good. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing, yet surely my right is with the Lord, and my recompense, my reward with my God. To all appearances, as he hung on that cross, he may have looked like a broken mess of a failure, but it was that very brokenness that God would redeem, bringing out of it glory and honor. Jesus, in his weakest, most broken moment, paid for the sins of the world, paid for your sins and mine, setting the stage for a glorious Easter morning and new life for us all. I love the old story about a a servant, a water bearer, who would bring water to his master's house every day. He had uh, two pots that were hooked together by a pole that he carried on the back of his neck. One of the pots had a crack in it. And so by the time the, ma- the uh, servant made it to the master's house, that, that uh, pot was only half full. And this happened day after day after day. Well, for two years, the servant delivered each day only one and a half pots of water to the master's house, and the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments, but the poor cracked pot was ashamed of his own imperfections and miserable over accomplishing only half of what it was meant to do. And so after all these years of being a perceived bitter failure, the cracked pot spoke to the the servant as they were down by the stream. And he said, I'm ashamed of myself, and I want to apologize to you. And the water bearer said, what are you ashamed of? He said, well, for the last two years, I've been able to deliver only half my load because of this crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way to the master's house. And because of my flaws, you receive only half of the value of your work. The servant says, well, as we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. And as they went up the hill, the cracked pot noticed beautiful flowers all the way up to the master's house. When they reached the house, the servant said to the pot, did you notice the flowers? And the pot said, yes. He said, did you notice that the flowers were only on one side of the path? He said, that's because I've always known about your flaw and I took advantage of it. I planted seeds of uh, flower seeds on your side of the path. And every day while I walk back from the stream, you've watered them. And so for two years now, I've been able to pick beautiful flowers every morning to decorate my master's table. You see, it was in Jesus' brokenness, in his weakness, in his seeming failure, that God was doing the work that would, bring, uh, that would result in bringing him the greatest glory of all, yeah. our salvation. New life for those who are dead in their transgressions and sins. Go ahead and underestimate Jesus if you want to, but you do so at your own risk. He is the revealer of truth who is hidden from view. He is the seeming failure who has brought glory to God. And thirdly, he is the Messiah of Israel who saves the whole world. He's the Messiah of Israel who saves the whole world. 
In verse 5, it says, And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. There's no question that Jesus was meant to be Israel's Messiah. He was of royal Israelite lineage. He was sent to save his own. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus uh, is very clear about this. When a Gentile woman comes to him asking for help, he says, no, I can't do that for you. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so that's what Isaiah prophesied, that his mission from the womb was to bring Israel back to God. And that's why Jesus went all around Israel, calling upon God's people to repent, to turn back to God. But wait, Isaiah says, there's more. I am honored in the eyes of the Lord. He has strengthened me for an even bigger role than that of saving Israel. He says in verse 6, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light to the, for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. He may have looked like a simple Jewish carpenter, Except for some fishermen and a tax collector, a zealot, and a few other nobodies, virtually no one in Jesus' day would have seen him as Messiah material. The learned rabbis and chief priests resented the very suggestion and had him put to death for it. Whatever fascination the riffraff of Israel may have had with him should have come to an end when they nailed him to a cross. But all that changed three days later when God raised him from the dead, victor, over sin and death, not just for Israel, but for the nations. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's why Jesus commissioned his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that's why at his ascension into heaven, Jesus quoted from this very verse in Isaiah and told his disciples, you shall be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. The most learned men of the day underestimated him and missed all that. They should have paid more attention to what Isaiah was trying to tell them about Messiah. He is the revealer of truth who is hidden from view. He is the seeming failure who has brought glory to God. He is the Messiah of Israel who saves the whole world. And finally, he is the one men rejected before whom all will bow. He is the one men rejected before whom all will bow. You know, occasionally we hear stories of of people who suffered rejection before ascending to great heights. Stories like that of Abraham Lincoln, who lost election to the Senate only to become one of our greatest presidents. Or, or Nelson Mandela spending 27 years in a terrible prison before becoming the first free, freely elected president of South Africa. Such stories cause us to, to wonder how someone's potential could be overlooked by so many and for so long. Take, for instance, the, the case of Darius Leonard. I guess now he's going by the name Shaquille Leonard. He's going by his middle name. But he was a football player growing up in rural South Carolina, always feeling disrespected as if nobody really appreciated his talents until he distinguished himself enough as a football player that he was offered a scholarship to his, uh, his all-time favorite school, Clemson University, 
He'd always been a Clemson Tigers fan. He always wanted to play for the Clemson Tigers, and so he was offered a scholarship. But there was a glitch with his SAT scores, and they, they were sent too late to the university. So by the time all of his paperwork was in, the university had already given his scholarship away to somebody else. He'd been kind of kicked to the curb by Clemson University. So he went to play instead for South Carolina State University, a much smaller school, much more humble in its facilities. But he said, uh, you know, I, I took up the challenge because I just found, thought it was a privilege to play at that level, and I played with a chip on my shoulder. I wanted to prove to everybody that I could play this game. Well, play he did, and he distinguished himself as a standout defender for the South Carolina State Bulldogs, and, and uh, that playmaking ability came to a climax one day when his team was playing against his beloved Clemson Tigers, where though his team lost the game, he distinguished himself by making 19 tackles and blocking a field goal against Clemson, as if to show them what they had missed by rejecting him. Well, this performance made some NFL scouts take notice, but even then, he wasn't regarded as a highly touted draft pick. The Indianapolis Colts did take him in the 2018 draft in the second round. He was the fourth player taken, and a lot of the, the experts said, well, Indianapolis wasted their draft pick. They shouldn't have taken him. But in his rookie year, this once rejected player led the entire league in tackles was named the Defensive Rookie of the Year and has since that time been to three Pro Bowls from cast-off to four-time All-Pro. We love those kinds of stories, don't we? Well, Jesus is the ultimate example of that kind of story, of someone who was rejected and made good. And Isaiah's song predicts that very thing in verse 7. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and His Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers. This is an accurate description of how Jesus was, was treated in his lifetime. He was despised by the scribes and Pharisees of Israel. He was abhorred by the nation's rulers who judged him a blasphemer worthy of death, treated like a criminal by mighty Rome. But a day is coming when all that will change because it goes on to say, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. And so with Isaiah, we look forward to that day when one men despised will come again on the clouds in power and glory to reign forever and ever. And on that day, not only will kings and princes fall down before him, but at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, whether in heaven or on earth or under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is the one men rejected before whom all will bow. And so whatever you do, don't underestimate him. You do so at your own risk. As followers of Jesus today, we unabashedly affirm with Isaiah the prophet that Jesus is the revealer of truth who will change your life. He's the heaven-sent son who carried out God's plan for our salvation. He is the savior of all mankind. He is the Lord 
before whom every knee shall bow. And today you have two options. You can say, nah, he ain't all that. But what if he is? What if he is all he claimed to be? What if he can change lives, as some of us will tell you, he's changed ours? What if he alone can save, as the Bible declares? Are you willing to risk your eternal destiny by underestimating him that way? The better choice is to embrace him as Savior and to surrender to him as Lord to trust in his work on your behalf to rescue you from the guilt and grip of sin, to decide to follow him from this day forward as the leader of your life. You can underestimate Jesus if you want to, but you gamble with your own soul that you're right. The better choice is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, it's with gratitude in our hearts that we come before you. After all we've witnessed here today, people following you in the waters of baptism, people demonstrating publicly their desire to follow you as Savior and Lord, that we are confronted, each of us, with that choice today, whether to believe in the Lord Jesus or to neglect him and, and to walk away from him and, and to say, now, you know what, I've got this covered. I'll do it myself. Oh, Lord, I pray. Help none of us who are here today to underestimate the Lord Jesus. Help us to take seriously the claims of Scripture about him. Help us to take seriously the testimony of countless lives here who have been changed because of him. And, Lord, may there be someone here today who will put their faith and trust in Jesus to be their rescuer from sin and leader for life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.